Welcome to Intercepted Transmissions. I'm Uriah. I'm Joel. And this is our Star Wars podcast. It's also our method of handling dumb fan theories. And most importantly, this is our excuse for two fanboys to hang out on the internet. Intercepted Transmissions, it is so good to have you here. What on earth are you doing with your life, Joel? Well, It doesn't it, matter because Solo, A Star Wars Story, is coming out in a handful of days. Yeah, we are T-minus three-ish days. This should be released uh, Tuesday morning. I'm going to see it Thursday at 7, aren't you? I'm going to see it at Thursday at 7 Central Time. You're going to see yeah. it at Eastern Time. I get to see an hour earlier than you. Yeah, but I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna, gonna to text yeah, you a spoiler. I will. Movie. I will. I will kill you, Joel. <laughs> I will end you. I it won't be. You off the, look, I know I kicked you off the podcast the last sm- week. I will, I have to, I'm going to kick you off the podcast again, <laughs> and we're going to have to hire the third clone of Joel. It won't be the spoiler of the movie, but a spoiler, just something. You're, you really are like the worst friend. I, I would never do that. I would never do that in a million years. Spoilers are the worst. I hate them. How pumped are you on a scale of one to ten for Solo? I'm. I'm easily at a 12 right now. Yeah, I'm, uh, and I'm I saying 12, that, like, 14, I'm, somewhere on there. Tuesday, on, this is being released on the Tuesday before Solo. We're, we're recording this like two weeks before, and I'm still way above 10 yeah. on a scale of 1 to 10. Like, I, I it, cannot, it can't come fast it, enough. It cannot, it cannot come, fast come, enough. come fast enough. I am very... I'm more excited about this one than I was about Rogue One. I know you're a lover of Rogue One, Uriah. I... This one I am so excited about. Um, you heard yesterday in the podcast we released yesterday about the uh, the way how we got here, how we got to Solo, a, a Star Wars story. You know the directors and and every the the whole cast and and production team assembled. Um, tomorrow we're going to get a little bit into what we think this movie is going to be like, um, and I, I'm excited to to record that episode with you, Uriah. We haven't done that one yet, but. I, I think that's going to be one of our, it's not going to be quite a theory podcast, but it is going to be a little bit into like, this is what I really hope to see. Yeah. This, these are the things I hope to find out in this movie. These are, these are the things that like, there's some things right that, that have to happen. And when I will cover this, we'll cover this tomorrow. But like, we're, we're talking about like some of the things that absolutely must happen for this to be a successful film. And I think that's going to be, yeah, I think like being able like, this is where I'm okay. The day before, right. This is when I'll be okay making predictions for what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. But that's not what we're here to do. It's, no, uh, today it's Tuesday, which is our normal podcast day. Exactly. Um, which means that um, we need to discuss like a, a normal fan theory um, and, and, and burn it to the ground like like luke's temple yeah like oh sad 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 reacts only so today we're gonna flip the script a little bit uriah a few years ago came up with a han solo fan theory and i love it so much i i I did a little bit of googling didn't quite find anything that lived up to the caliber of this particular theory so i'm gonna let uriah give the theory and i'm gonna try to play devil's advocate and see if i can't debunk his theory and figure out why he's wrong Okay, so fans of the podcast will know um, I mentioned this in our Chewbacca episode, um, and and that's why I wanted to come back to it. Han Solo is a terrible smuggler. He is awful at his job. He's a perfectly good person. Well, he's an okay person. He's a he's a he's a natural leader. He is uh, a pretty good pilot. He is uh, an effective general, <laughs> but he is a terrible smuggler. And Tell me why you think he's a terrible smuggler. Okay. 
um, are we going to do like a, I say one thing and then you destroy it, or do I need to listen? No, nope, just right just now? just go just go into it and we'll we'll see how far how I'm, how far. I'm so we not get. used to being on this side of the podcast, so I like I don't I don't quite know what I'm supposed to to do here. But like, it's okay. You, you we'll get it. it. You get. You get it. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it. I'm a big boy. I'm pulling my put on my big boy britches and we'll figure it out. Okay. So I so I actually wrote a post about this on Facebook uh, back in January of last year, and I'm just gonna go ahead and read uh, some of the points uh, one by one. So Jabba is looking for Han in A New Hope because, quote, he has no use for smugglers who drop their shipments to the first sign of an Imperial cruiser, end quote. Yeah, that's right. I mean, like, if he was if he was any good at his job, he would have figured out a way to get, like, get away from it. He's flying one of the, he, he's flying a, one of the, I think, quote, fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy at some point. Um, he should have been able to do that. Counter theory. His ship is just broken down. That also happens quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> it's not that he's a terrible smuggler. It's that he's a terrible mechanic. <laughs> Okay. All right. Okay. Terrible. Man. <laughs> uh, possible. When you know you can't get away, you're just going to drop the shipment and hope they don't find you. Okay. Possible, except that we have seen more often than not, Chewbacca is the one doing the actual work on the Falcon. So you're telling me that both Han and Chewie are incompetent mechanics? All of Empire Strikes Back, it doesn't work. The <laughs> hyperspace drive just doesn't Stop work for an entire calling it movie. A hyperspace drive. It's a hyperdrive. Sorry. Joel, this has been canon since literally 1977. It's called a hyperdrive. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not going to tolerate this nonsense any longer. I'm going to call you out every single time. I'm going to leave it in the podcast. And you're going to be shamed in front of all of the nerds. <laughs> all right. I'm sorry. The entire movie of episode five, Empire Strikes Back, their hyperdrive is broken. How many times were they seen working on it? Several. All the time. Several. They can't fix it. <laughs> this isn't the first time it happened. It's not that he's a bad smuggler. It's that he's a he and Chewie just can't seem to fix this hyperdrive okay so they dumped they dumped their cargo because he's a terrible now, again, mechanic not because he's just, a terrible smuggler that's, that's just that's, a counter theory but you've got more points to get that's to. possible okay that's possible yeah um so he tells everyone that his ship made the kessel run in 12 parsecs that's a unit of distance not a unit of time now i i know that there was uh an, the old eu tried to explain this away by like there being black holes and like trying to like chart the shortest path and like if you went closer to a black hole that was like how you cut distance off of it. I don't, that's fine. That was all fine, but we're, that's not, it's not canon anymore. And so we can't use that as an explanation unless it happens here in a couple of days. And we find out that's actually how it works. Um, but I like, I like better the idea that he's just like lying to them. He's been, he's been telling this lie for so long that everyone just kind of like, Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. And he like, he's even started to believe it a little bit. Um, and you can kind of see Obi-Wan um, when he hears, when he hears Han say, uh, I made this the ship that made the Kessler run in twelve parsecs or less than twelve parsecs. Obi Wan just kind of like he looks like he kind of rolls his eyes a little bit. Like, are you like you're not you're you're not being serious right now? Like, you didn't just tell me that your ship is no. That doesn't that's not how it works. Counter theory: Every fisherman, their fish is always bigger when they tell the story. <laughs> And so okay. maybe he did win some kind of race. Maybe he is the fastest one in the galaxy, but Obi-Wan knows a fisherman's tale when he sees one. And so he rolls his eyes because he's like, no, there's no way 12. 12 is not possible. Maybe 14. 14. <laughs> 12. <laughs> and so that's, I mean, 
doesn't yeah. really speak to okay. his goodness as a smuggler, but definitely as somebody who blows smoke, tells stories. I think that because... makes him. A, I think that makes him a competent liar. I think that makes him a good absolutely a, a good which is necessary for being a smuggler because when you get boarded, sometimes you have to explain what it is you have in cargo. Yeah, but that doesn't just but like being a good liar and a good storyteller doesn't make you a good smuggler. There's a lot more to it than that. I agree. I agree. So let's get into more of it. Okay. Uh, so Han knows that TIE fighters are short range fighters. Obi-Wan also knows this and he says that to him when they find it, when they drop out of hyperspace in the, the, the debris that used to be Alderaan. That means there has to be at least a Star Destroyer, if not a base, if not like some kind of craft that is capable of carrying TIE fighters nearby. Uh, but somehow, despite flying arguably the slipperiest ship in the galaxy, remember we're going 0.5 past light speed. Han still gets caught by the, de- the Death Star's tractor beams. How on earth, with plenty of time to turn around, the slipperiest ship in the galaxy, how does he not like, I don't know, like just turn left a little bit and like go away from the thing that's going to definitely be a problem. Counterpoint, you and I both read Catalyst Rogue One story. Mm-hmm. Here we learned that they, I say they, the Empire, they are coming up with some of the newest technology to put on this uh, Death Star because it's going mm-hmm. to be the supreme power in the galaxy. So he did try to turn around and he thought he had plenty of time because he He's never seen technology this advanced to get a tractor beam released out that far into space from the station to pull him in. And so this was more of a a ignorance than it was being a terrible smuggler. If I remember the, the sequence correctly, he sees the TIE fighter. They're like, oh, no, short range. Where's the base? That's the base. Turn around. And it happens pretty quickly. Nope. You forgot the part where he got cocky and said he was going to shoot it down before it became a problem. And so the reason they didn't turn around sooner is because Han decided that he needed to show off that he could blow this this TIE fighter up instead. All right. Counter counter theory. Um, (laughs) There was a girl present. And we all know guys do dumb things when there are girls present. Unless R2-D2 has suddenly had gender reassignment surgery, there were no girls aboard the Millennium Falcon at that That time. Leia, oh, they were going to go get Leia. Yep. They were on their mm-hmm. way. No, well, they were on their way at, to Alderaan, yeah. Yep, they were on their way to Alderaan. Okay. All right, well, counter-counter theory. Re- I, I, I remove that. I I still stand by. They think that they thought they had plenty of time and there was new tech uh, because they were d- designing tech for this thing. But you're getting closer to convincing me. So once they get aboard the Death Star, he, <laughs> this is one of my favorites. Uh, this is this doesn't really show that he's a bad smuggler so much as that he just a, like has bad ideas and acts on bad ideas, which shows general incompetence. When they're in the trash compactor, uh, he fires the E11 blaster rifle into the door, and it just ricochets off and nearly kills everybody. Maybe maybe he didn't necessarily. Maybe he, there was no way of him knowing that he was going to accidentally nearly kill everybody in the process, but he still did, which shows that you know he's just bad at everything. And let's be fair, Luke tried the same thing. <laughs> You give it a rest. We already tried. <laughs> you could get us all killed. Yeah. Okay. You're right. Luke did the same thing. I mean, what, what's the first thing you try when you have a gun and there's a locked door? You shoot at it. I try to open the door, Joel. The I first mean, thing you do is like I, jiggle I the door, door handle. I said locked door. You don't know that it's locked yet. They already tried. <laughs> Leia tried the door, obviously. Leia jiggled the handle. Chewbacca was watching. Luke shot it. They all had to dive underwater to avoid getting shot. 
And then Han slides in, does the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's exactly how head, it happened. New, new headcanon. Uh, after the Battle of Yavin, Death Star's blown up. Han and Chewie have clearly been given a giant pile of money. Instead of taking a week or whatever to fly back to Tatooine and like pay off Jabba and, and to take care of that situation to get the price taken off of his head while he's still in something that resembles good graces with the Hut cartel, he just doesn't. He makes the terrible life decision to not take the money he clearly has the the like he hasn't he has this fluid income that he could go and pay off his debt and like get free of bounty hunters and he doesn't do it it would have taken him at most a couple of days with with hyperspace no time at all but we know that he's dealing with he as as late as the start of empire strikes back they they talk about the bounty hunter they met on ord mantel that was still trying to find him he never he never takes care of this debt. Why doesn't he do that? He obviously had it. I don't know that that proves that he's a bad smuggler. Uh, maybe he's bad at getting away from an old life. He's trying to change things, turn things around, become a different kind of person. And he knows that if he goes back and pays Jabba, he's going to be sucked back into that. And he's going to be forced to uh, continue smuggling for Jabba because that's his employment. So I think this, this speaks more to, you know, he's trying to turn things around. He's trying to go a different direction. And he just knows that if he goes back to pay off the debt, He's not going to be able to turn things around and be with Leia. He he's fallen in love. He's not going to leave her alone. He's not going to be away from her. And then also, if you're a space jockey, if you if you've got a spaceship that you are so proud of that you're always trying to make upgrades to, and you just got given a har- large pile of money, you're gonna soup up the the rig a little bit more than you're gonna go pay everybody else off. Except, uh, as we see at the start of Empire Strikes Back, this, this you actually couldn't have segued any more perfectly into this. The entire time that they're on, that they're at Echo Base, Chewbacca is not really being helpful in like base activities because he's working on the Falcon the entire time. The ship is like is is under repair the whole time, and You're even right. up until like while they are escaping Hoth, they are still trying to fix this, the Millennium Falcon. Um, hey, 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 Uriah. Yes. Tell tell me about your uh, your computer. What about what do you mean black one? No, I I I mean uh I mean home one. Home one? Tell me about home one. What, are you sure because they're both um <laughs> they're both they're both sort of works in progress. <laughs> uh-huh. So you can't tell me. <laughs> they just got given a whole pile of money. They decide mm-hmm. they're going to make some special modifications to the Millennium Falcon. What do you have to do to fix something? You have to take it apart first. Uh-oh. And there are some I mean Again, horrible mechanics. You take it apart. <laughs> you don't know how to put it back together. <laughs> it's not a matter of they can't fix it. It's a matter of they took it apart to add this one component to make it faster. And now they can't remember where the screw went. <laughs> they, they, they you know, I'm liking this better all the time. Han Solo is a horrible mechanic. <laughs> okay. 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 That's, you know what? That's actually, that's fair. Uh, and it's, it's, it's like extra terrifying to, to hear you say it that way and like talk about my computers that way because like that's exactly, that's like exactly the trouble, the trouble that I'm having with both of the rigs I'm working on right now. Yeah. And I, and I knew that. That's why I asked you about your computers <laughs> because what happened? You were like, oh, I'm going to, I'm totally going to fix this and add this thing and put this thing I'm in. I'm going to cobble together this computer out of spare parts that I find on Craigslist. All right. So what's, what's the next part of your theory? So they finally get the Falcon f- flyable, at least. They get out of 
Hoth's orbit. They are they are in the asteroid field being chased by TIE fighters to escape. Han has the admittedly brilliant plan to fly in close and like go into a hidey hole after he's shaken the TIE fighters and like dock there while they figure out what the heck they need to do next. However, while he is flying into this the tunnel, into the cave here, how on earth did he not see the teeth of the giant space slug that he was now inside of? Furthermore, in space, how did he not notice that there was breathable atmosphere that could only be created by a living creature, I, I assume? Certainly not. There was no oxygen on this asteroid, but they were somehow able to walk on outside, just mosey on outside of the airlock with just breathing masks on, not full pressure suits. This gets into a side theory that I found uh, recently. I'm assuming a giant space slug needs some kind of atmosphere, and asteroids don't have atmosphere. But what if that asteroid field was actually the remnants of Alderaan, and so there are remnants of atmosphere surrounding this asteroid field, and that slug is just a remnant from the interior of Alderaan? In which case, Han wouldn't be looking for giant teeth and atmosphere and all of that, because never has he ever experienced an asteroid that has all of those components. That would work for me, I'd be willing to believe that the slug was some kind of subterranean Alderanian creature. However, if you go to StarWars.com and you look up the creature by name, you're looking up a space slug. Mm, and, okay. and also, All right. on StarWars.com, it talks about how um, uh, these or these are the, the subjects of tales told by smugglers and and pirates all the time space slug is something that actually exists and that would be a something in space not in okay not in the so this isn't this isn't like a like a crate dragon or something that would have been a terrestrial creature if you've been spending all this time in space as some crazy good smuggler then you probably would have noticed that like that asteroid shouldn't have uh um atmosphere now i do i do like the idea that this is the that th- there was a little bit of atmosphere that stuck to these asteroids and because it was from Alderaan. I'm, o- I'm kind of okay with that. I don't know the exact physics of like how that works, but also we're talking about whether or not a slug can breathe in space. So it- it's kind of, <laughs> you know, it's, this it's kind of is a, sci-fi. We're yeah. in unknown realms here. Uh, oh, this is one. Okay. This is, this is probably the, uh, the one. So you mentioned earlier that like smuggling, you have to be like good at, li- at lying and, and like deceiving people. Um, if you're good at lying and good at deceiving people, then you would probably be able to spot when somebody else is doing that to you. Yet somehow, when he lands on Cloud City, um, he doesn't think, well, maybe my old buddy, who is obviously a liar and obviously a cheater and obviously a gambler, might be up to something. Golly gee. No, Han just blunders on in to Cloud City, bringing all of his friends uh, ultimately to what I would describe as uh, ruin. That is fair. Um, I mean, we're pretty well sure of all the liars, cheats, thieves, smugglers in the galaxy if you were to put Han and Lando mano a mano, one over the other, Lando's going to win. I mean, Lando's one of the best. He did so many things in Rebels, and um, I mean, we're—I'm sure we're going to find out more later this week about what he ha- what some of his exploits are. And He's also, in two years, when Donald Glover gets his own Lando movie, please make that please. happen. Please. Oh my gosh, would watch. 100. All right. 100 emoji. 100. (laughs) But if Lando's the best in the world at lying, cheating, gambling, all that, he can probably do a pretty good bluff. 
especially over his friend, that he knows and knows his own tells and can hide them from him. All right. Okay. Maybe. Perhaps. 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 I'm willing to give you that one a little bit because Lando is the best, obviously. Um, however, I also don't know that I super buy into that. Just because you beat somebody at a game, if they're the, if they're the worst player of that game, you have accomplished nothing. Mm, okay. So just because Lando was able to pull one over on him doesn't doesn't mean that Han's any better, right? At lying, cheating, gambling, and yeah, just like like the the person who is the smuggling. best at something is going to be the best at that thing all the time. Okay. All right. Okay, let's move on to uh, Return of the Jedi. He manages to get captured, frozen in carbonite, and and taken away by a bounty hunter. But when he finally gets out of said carbonite, the battle at the Great Pit of Carcoon, there's a fight. I don't know if you remember this, but there's a mm-hmm. big fight yep. with everybody. Who doesn't really participate in that fight? Uh, C-3PO. Han. <laughs> C-3PO Han also shot a, does Han shot a blaster once. You're right. Han shot the blaster at his good buddy, at his friendo, Lando. He was blind. He was blind. He was blind. He was he blind. Was, okay, he was a little blind. Okay, Battle of Endor. Han screws up, like, the getting... The, the whole the whole process the the four speeder bike um scout troopers he's like i'll handle it we'll be fine chewy and i'll get it what does han do while he's sneaking up on the scout trooper steps on a stick ruins everything starts a really cool chase scene where leia and luke get to look super rad riding speeder bikes through uh the moon of endor he failed to sneak into the shield bunker get the charges placed because he was as soon as he got in there he was caught uh when he was hot right hot wiring the door to the shield bunker he made it worse after after r2d2 got fried he's like whoa i I could try i could do this i could try this and then closes the secondary blast doors uh when he when like he gets captured like at the like toward the end of that little that skirmish yeah Who's the person who who pulls them out of that one? Leia, who has already been shot. Doesn't necessarily mean he's a bad smuggler as much as a really bad general, not the right guy to choose for a black ops, covert ops operation by the rebellion. They just had no other choice at that moment in time. Like, oh, I don't know. I'm th- sorry. They had no other choice. We've seen Captain Rex as a rebel at the Battle of Endor. We know that we have an actual trained military professional for, for decades then why did they choose han why did they choose han joel because he's competent as a general he's just incompetent as a smuggler he was supposed like this was supposed to be a sneaky job and he's screwed like he had he had told everybody man i'm like the greatest smuggler ever but then he screwed up the littlest things like i don't know getting the bombs into the bunker or maybe stepping on a stick how did you not notice the sticks around you you're on a forest move. there's sticks everywhere did you really think that sneaking up on this guy was going to work you've got guns you have a bowcaster. that's a very long range weapon you just tell chewie hey can you shoot those guys real quick because we've seen time and again that the bowcaster is incredibly powerful we were not gonna have to worry about scout troopers much longer after a hit with from a bowcaster. that's true I'm sorry sorry it's not you had a whole squad of rebel troopers you had the entire like the into all of the pathfinders were there with you han why didn't you just tell them to do it well because you had to prove how good a smuggler you were except you're not (sighs) he wasn't smuggling anything no but he was supposed to be he was using all of his supposed skills as a smuggler hiding getting things into places they weren't supposed to be all right all right all right being generally sneaky you might have me there but i think it's your last two points that are my favorite of your theory so in the 30 years between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, Han lost the Millennium Falcon. Now, this isn't like leaving your bike parked outside and, and like having it be, you know, stolen because you you miss you mislocked it. This is his home. This is his livelihood. How badly 
did Han Solo screw up that he lost the Millennium Falcon? The Shit. ship that is tied to him in in all of the lore, in all of the legends, in every you know every bar on this side of the outer rim has you know a story about Han Solo with the Millennium Falcon. How did he lose it? What did he do that was so bad that he lost it? And it made it to Jakku, some backwater place that nobody's yeah. It's it's nowhere. It's repeatedly been stated in in canon in the sh- in this podcast and in Star Wars in general. Jakku is Nowheresville, USA. You know who lives in nowhere? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody's. And he managed to get his ship stolen by, by a nobody. nobody. That's impossible. You can't. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You didn't, Han, you did not do a very good job if you got your ship stolen by nobody at nowhere. And then your last point. In The Force Awakens, he owes Kanja Club and the Guavian Death Gang 50,000 credits each. Do you remember in A New Hope when 10,000 credits was enough to buy a starship? Luke, remember, because like, um, Han yeah. was trying to charge 10,000 credits. Luke said, oh, and I can buy, like, buy a ship for that. Yep. How did you screw up that much money, Han? How did you manage to blow 100,000 credits so badly? Now, I understand that like inflation is a thing. And maybe 50,000 credits was a lot closer to some smaller amount of money in A New Hope time. In you know, 30 years, right? Whatever. Or 40 years. That's still a lot of money, man. You still blew it, dude. Starships are not cheap. 10,000 credits is a lot of money. 100,000 credits is a crazy amount of money. Yeah, he what did, did you lose do? quite a bit of money there. And what, like, hunting Rathstars, I realize that's a lot, like, it's, that's a big animal that's going to do a lot of damage, but, like, what did you spend that money on? What did you, crew? For real. He spent it on, he spent it on crew that he could he feed did, to the Rathstars. He didn't <laughs> spend it on crew. He promised crude payment. <laughs> And they all died. What did you spend the money on? I didn't think about that. What did you spend the money on? (laughs) Okay. All right. Maybe he's not so bad. He convinced a crew to come on, even though he knew that they were. Unless he was buying that ship. Oh, wait. A ship is only 10,000. Come on, hon. Now, I will say the big freighter that he had to buy. That like that the the one that looks like the money. big whale. That probably is more than ten thousand <laughs> credits. Big whale. Oh uh, uh, yeah. Um, it was I don't know what it's more. A, I don't know what it's actually called, but so that was. Okay. I mean, that was probably pretty pricey. But then so again, it's more than ten thousand. What would he have had? Would he have had to buy that 000. if he hadn't lost the Millennium Falcon? All right. So Han is either a terrible mechanic, or a terrible smuggler, or both. He's also apparently a, a a horrible steward of his cash. <laughs> yeah, but a good liar, like let like a good liar and a decent decent person. Um, but yeah, probably a horrible smuggler and most likely a horrible mechanic. I think that there are a lot of problems that I attributed to his bad smuggling skills that could have been chalked up to his 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 inefficiency as a mechanic. That's that's fair. I'm willing to I'm willing to give you that one. And yet he lost the Millennium Falcon and blew one hundred thousand credits. If you live in a motorhome full time and you use that motorhome to do your job, like to like do work for clients, you probably need to be good at maintaining that motorhome. That's probably true. That like like that that became a secondary that became part of your job description, whether you liked it or not. If Han was a decent mechanic, okay. 
Han's not a good. He he has to be one of the worst mechanics in the world. That he lets the guy with big clumpy fingers and hair growing out of every which direction <laughs> to try to handle all the small little bits and pieces to put things back together. He must not know where anything goes. Furthermore, when it comes to like the compressor on the hyperdrive when they're getting ready to zoom away in the Force uh-huh. Awakens, like he can't figure out what's going on. He needs Ray who just is a junker to figure out how to bypass the compressor. And furthermore, like the, like bypassing the compressor was as easy as ripping a few wires and suddenly it just like, it just magically works. And he didn't know uh-huh. like to just rip a few wires. That's exactly. pretty bad. I will say that um, Ray, it, Ray helped on work on the ships. Um, we learned in um, St- forces of destiny. There's an episode where, um, they drop out of hyperspace because they're they find a bomb and a tracker like planted on the on the Falcon. Ray says that like she helped work on the ships and that oh, she okay. so there she she had a little bit more inside knowledge about like how things were going. She knew we know from just from the Force Awakens that um she's like that she knew there was a compressor on board already and yeah. she knew enough about like what that does that she was able to like say that that was not a good idea. All right. Okay, this is another situation where like, yeah, Ray was better than Han in that moment, but like better than what? Like, what are we comparing? It's like a, a small child playing with his Tonka tool bench. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, true. So, oh. so there's the theory. Uh, either Han Solo is a terrible smuggler, a terrible mechanic or both. And, um, he just happens to be a good person that's in the right place at the right time and does some of the right things. Yeah, um, he's a to good. Get himself- he's a great. He's a great pilot. He's pretty good with a blaster. He probably needs work on his parenting skills, but he is very, very bad at smuggling and 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 fixing his ship, which is part of the job description. So let us know what you think. Uh, if you think he any of that has has legs, or if you think we're going to be completely blown out of the water once Solo uh, Star Wars story comes out, perhaps they will completely show us why he's a great smuggler and a great mechanic, and we won't know why he had any of those blunders um, throughout <laughs> the rest of all of these movies. So I thought we were in trouble there for a second, but we're fine. Everything's fine, and then yeah. everyone starts screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you, Joel. As always, um, it's it's great to talk to you, and uh, I'd like to uh, wish you well. May the force be with you. Roger, Roger. Our intro and outro music was created by Itro and Valkos. It's called Starbound, and it's available from SoundCloud and no copyright sound. Go check them out on YouTube. That's where we found them. We're on Facebook as Joel and Uriah, on Twitter at Joel and Uriah, and on Google Plus, technically, but we're never going to check that. To get the podcast delivered to you directly, you can follow us on SoundCloud, subscribe to us on iTunes, and or subscribe to us on Google Play Music. Thanks for listening, and keep your comms open for more intercepted transmissions with Joel and Uriah. him a good smuggler that makes him a good liar <laughs>